All right, we're going to take a break uh, this week from our series because it's Mother's Day. And that's what we do when we're going through a series and Mother's Day happens is we take a break from our series and we have a Mother's Day to encourage our ladies. I want to tell you something, though, before we even get started. I understand that uh, this, uh, these days, um, much like me on Father's Day, on Father's Day for a long time, after my dad passed away, uh, it was kind of hard for me, if you want to know the truth about it. It was hard for me because of uh, my father's passing at an early age, and it bothered me. Uh, and so hearing a message about fathers uh, was a little difficult uh, for me. And I'm sure there are things uh, with youth uh, that hearing a message about motherhood or moms, some of us moms may have passed on, some of us moms may have uh, not been great moms, um, uh, and some of you out there may be struggling, struggling uh, to have children. And so I want to just get that out of the way and identify that, that I understand that. Today's message is not necessarily uh, just to moms. As a matter of fact, it's really not to moms. Um, it, is to, it is to every lady uh, out there uh, today listening to this. And I'm sure you guys can pick up on a few things as well. But I want to go ahead and begin by telling you a little bit of a story. <clears throat> Um, there was a guy in the Old Testament. His name was Elkanah. Elkanah was in the Old Testament. And it, it was interesting because Elkanah, he, he was married to a woman named Hannah. Elkanah was married to a woman named Hannah. And it was interesting because Elkanah and Hannah could not have children. Um, they could not have children. Now, you have to understand something. Back in their culture, it was a huge, huge deal um, to be able to have children. And it was especially a huge deal for the mother to be able to give her husband children back, back then. And so Elkanah could not, uh, they could not have children. He and Hannah could not have children. But here's the thing I want you to know. He loved Hannah deeply. He loved her deeply. Like, I mean, they, they were, they, they just clicked. He loved her. And I want to tell you something else about Elkanah. He was a godly man. He was a godly man. He actually was from a priestly line. He was from the priestly line. And so he was a godly man. And he, he loved God. He followed God. And I want to tell you something else, too, that happened back in their day. If, if one of the, if, if the wife could not have kids, what the culture said, now I want to make sure I say this to you. The culture said this, but God didn't say this. God never said this. The culture said this. Their culture at the time said this. If, if your wife can't have kids after a long period of time, and we see this at other times in the scripture, by the way. But if, if your wife can't have kids, then what you do is, is you go marry another wife. Okay? Now, I guess that's normal uh, back then. I don't know why anyone would want two wives, but um, there you go. Uh, I love mine. She's awesome. Uh, one's enough for me. Um, that's enough. Keeps me pretty busy. So, but they would marry another woman and... Uh, they would have children with that woman, even though, and I, this is the point I want you to hear, even though, even though they deeply loved their first wife, deeply loved. 
And what would happen, what would happen oftentimes, and we actually, we actually saw this, if you know the book, uh, the story of Abraham, we actually saw this with Abraham. Abraham and Sarah did the kind of the same thing. Uh, couldn't have children, and God gave children at an old age. And, but before they gave children, uh, he, he, um, he actually basically had a child with, with the, the maidservant, and there was animosity. And that's what I want to tell you right now. There was always animosity, as you can imagine, between the wife that was deeply loved with no children and the other wife who was having children. As a matter of fact, there was always a clashing that would go on. Always. Now, I couldn't imagine why. Could you? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can imagine why. You, you know why and I know why. Um, but, but in this story that we're going to look at today, there's something extra that occurs. And so with all that in mind, with knowing that Elkanah was, was married to Hannah and loved her deeply, and with knowing that he was a godly man, and that with knowing that what the culture said back then, which was not biblical, but it was their culture, their culture, he had actually married another woman and had children with that woman. The story picks up 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And here's what it says. There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tuhu, son of Zuf of Ephraim. I think that's pretty impressive that I got through all those without screwing that up. Um, Elkanah had two wives. He had Hannah, and who was Hannah? Hannah was the one that he deeply loved, and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Now, here's how we know that he was a godly man. It's found in verse 3. It says this, Each year... Elkanai would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. Okay, the priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas. On the days Elkanai presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah in each of her children, and so he is giving the sacrifice. And then he is giving portions of that meat to Peninnah and her children. And, and of course, his children, they're his children as well. And here's what he says. And though he loved Hannah, he would only, uh, he, 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 and though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Now, let me say something. That is grounds for a cat fight, all right? That is grounds for a, I'm talking about fist. So here's the situation. Hannah is already bummed out that she can't have kids. Her husband, who deeply loves her, comes and says, listen, you can, you know, uh, I, I'm going to marry this other lady to have kids, but I still love you deeply. The lady who he marries has kids. And it wasn't good enough for her just to have kids. She's going to be a little twerp about it. All right? She's going to be mean about it. And so what she would do is, is she would say, no, nah, not nah, a boo-boo, I got kids and you don't. All right? That's basically it. Look what I have. Look what I have. And so here's what happened. 
year after year, it was the same. Hannah and I would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Hannah and I would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Okay, and so each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Now, let me say something about the next verse that's going to happen here. I want to call your attention to the next verse that's going to happen. Because as guys, we are fixers of things. Oftentimes, guys like to fix things. Here's the other thing that happens with us guys. Oftentimes, we think a lot more highly of ourselves than we should. And just to show you that you're not the only... Man, I'm talking to you right now. Just to show you that you're not the only person that's clueless... In comes Elkanah. So Hannah's going to the temple year after year. Penanai's making fun of her. Hannah and I starts crying every year. And Elkanah swoops in. And he says this in verse 8. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah asked. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? And here's the verse that shows his ignorance. You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? You have me. And we all know the answer. Heck no, it's not having better than ten sons. Honey, won't you have the time? We know that, don't we? We do. That is his ignorance. What? Why are you crying? Why are you so downhearted? You've got this guy. What's there to be down about? Verse 9 says, Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle, and Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer, to give me a son that I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire life and as a sign that he will be that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. And here's here's another guy, here's another guy stepping in. Here's what the, the next guy, Eli into the picture. Here's what he says. He thought she had been drinking. She was praying, and he thought she was drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. So he thought she had hit the liquor bottle. She was upset. He thought she had gotten into the wine. He didn't understand either. Can you imagine being Hannah? No one understands her. Like, she's getting, she has no children, so she feels bad about that. She's got a, a, a woman who is having children who swooped in, and what she had always planned is not happening. And so another woman swooped in, and she had the children that Hannah thought she was supposed to have with her husband. And not only that, but the woman is a hag, and she's constantly constantly telling her, what, you know, I got, not a, not a boo-boo, I got children, you don't. And then, and then after that, her husband comes up, and he doesn't understand either. Her husband's going, hey, listen, you know, you've got me, what else do you need? And so then she gets upset, and so she's going to go to the church. So she goes to the church, she goes to the church, she hits the altar, she starts praying. The preacher looks over, see her, sees her lip moving, but doesn't hear any words, and says, this chick's drunk. 
She's coming to the church drunk. And then says, why do you come here drunk? Get out of here. Take your wine and go home. Don't be bringing wine in here. And then she says this, oh, no, sir. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great, here you go, anguish and sorrow. I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant your request you have asked him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. And the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned to the home of Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, and here's what Samuel means, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the woman who stood several years ago praying to the Lord. And I would have said, and you thought I was drunk. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And the scripture says, and they worshipped the Lord together. You know, I want to say something to you today, and I say this at the start of every message that I do on Mother's Day, and I, ha I make sure every year to make sure I, I hear this, because this is so important to me, but I want you to know something. There's a lot of things that we can, we can take from this story. There's a lot of things we can take about the desire and for God answering a prayer. There's a lot of things that we can take from this story. But I want to tell you something that even if you do not have children, and maybe you cannot have children, maybe you have, have not been able to have children, or maybe you are single, you're a single woman, or maybe you're married with no children, I want you to know something. God blessed, God blessed Hannah with a child, and, and absolutely her natural child, and she gave him back. But I want you to know something. You don't have to give birth to be a mom. I want you to hear that. You do not have to give birth to be a mom. You know, women can give birth, but it takes something special. It takes a special woman to be a mom. There's one of my favorite movies. I love the movie The Blind Side. One, because it happened around where we live, where I was from in West Tennessee. It happened in that area around Memphis. And, and I love the movie because there's a story about Leanne Tui. And Leanne Tui was a woman that was very wealthy. Her husband owned a series of, of, um, of restaurants, Taco Bells and KFCs. And he owned a lot of those. So he was very, very wealthy. And they went to a very prominent private school in Memphis. And they, there was a young man that actually got into the school. And they saw the young man on the side of the road. Honestly, he was homeless. His mom was a drug addict, and he was homeless. 
And she, she took him, the woman took him, if you've seen the movie The Blind Side, you know this. She took him and she became his mom. She became his mom. She did not give birth to him, but she became his mom. And the whole movie wraps around the relationship between Michael Orr and Leanne Tui. Michael Orr went on to have a great career at Ole Miss. He then went on to have an incredible career in the NFL. Uh, all because, I believe, all because God called Leanne Tui and her husband to be a mother for Michael Orr. You don't have to have children to be a mom. Can I tell you something? I've had a lot of moms in my life. Now, I've got my mama. She's right now sitting at home at Hurricane Mills, Tennessee, sitting out there on uh, Rex May Lane. That's where she's at. She's up. She's probably sitting on, her, on the couch watching the iPad, watching me right now. Mom, happy Mother's Day. I love you. But I'll be honest with you. When I moved to Georgia, my mom is five and a half hours away. And while she's still my mom, I, need some, I needed some extra mamas. Are you with me? Anybody that knows me knows I need all the help I can get. So I need some extra mamas. And so God, at every place I've been, God has put these people in my life. One of the extra mamas I had was a lady named Virginia Munn. And Virginia Munn, is, she's still very active at Palmetto Baptist. But Virginia, I would go in there. She was a children's pastor. I would go in there, and I would literally, she had a couch. I would just go in there and plop down on her couch. And she said, okay, what's going on? And I would lay there, and she, I would just talk to her and talk to her. And she would counsel me like a mom would. It's amazing. At, at, at Heatherwood, I had, a, I had a, a, sweet, a sweet lady, and every time I would get a sniffle, if she would hear me sniffle, if she would hear me cough or sniffle, all right, she would literally the next day bring me a pot of fresh chicken noodle soup. She would. And I'm not talking about Campbell's. I'm talking about homemade, whole chicken. She would bake the chicken, pull all the stuff out, cut it all up, and that's what she would do for me. She would do that for me. And so I would come home, and I was like, I just had a sniffle. It was allergy season, but Miss Vivian made us some chicken noodle soup, and Winnie would go, whoosh, yeah, man. And we would eat on that stuff for a couple of days, all right? Something else she would do is, and I'm telling on her right now, but something else she would do is she made, a, she made homemade cough syrup. And let me just say, um, it, it, it borderline on unbiblical. I'll just leave it at that, okay, the homemade cough syrup, all right? There was a little bit of honey and a whole lot of liquor. So, but that cough syrup, would, it was like you'd take that cough syrup, and if you didn't feel better from the cough, you'd feel better otherwise. Are you with me? And so, but she did. She made, and she would bring that to me. Um, and, and so, but other people throughout my life, you know, when you, when, you, uh, when, when you get on Facebook, you start looking at all the memories that people post. My Aunt Mary right now is sitting, she's probably listening to this too. My Aunt Mary, half the pictures of my childhood are at my Aunt Mary's house. Um, uh, I think the love of my, I, I love Dotsons. I have, I, Wendy and I have always had Dotsons. And my Aunt Mary, I, I remember laying on, on couches, on vinyl couches, in my underwear, in my green underwear. I can remember the picture. And I'm laying beside King. Our, uh, I was like three or four years old. I'm laying beside King, uh, her, her Dotson that she had. And somewhere deep in my mind, I have to think those memories is the reason why we love Dotsons. And so, but she was like a second mom to me. I would stay with her, and, and, and my, our family would go up there on the weekends, and we would hang out with them. 
and she, she would cook. And she's still a better cook, by the way, than my mom. That's for you, Aunt Mary. Um, she can. She can do that. But even, even some of your moms here, even some of your moms here, you know, um, I think of Miss Betty Stapler, who Miss Betty Stapler absolutely loves me, treats me like a son. I know, I was thinking about her this morning. I was like, you know, if I had any need whatsoever, if I had any need, she would, she would be there. I would just call her. And she would say, well, Barry, you come on over, and I will, just don't tell anybody, but you come on over. Don't tell Amy, but come on over, and I'll help you out. That's what she would do. She would do that for me. And right now, we have, a, we have one, of my, one of my moms, one of my, I call them Georgia moms, one of my Georgia moms. She's right now in the hospital, Miss Joanne Phillips. Joanne Phillips has, has been in the hospital. She's been fighting this COVID-19 virus. And she's, she's in the hospital, and she is, uh, she, she's, she's doing a lot better. We keep praying and praying for her. We're hoping tomorrow is going to be the day that, that she gets out and she starts progressing further. But, but she uh, has been a constant source of me for encouragement. She's been a constant source of me for love. She's been a constant source of me. She is. She Almost every Sunday when she's here and after the service, she will come up to me and she'll whisper in my ear and she'll say, Barry, that was so good. That was, that was so good. You don't, and just pouring in that encouragement to me. I bet you guys didn't know I did voices, did you, with the moms? But that's the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. You don't have to have given birth to someone to be like a mom to them. My question to you is this. Who's been your mother figure? Maybe your, maybe your mom has passed away. Or maybe you're like me, your mom is five and a half hours away, and while you still call her all the time and hang out with her some and do all those things, everyday life kind of gets in the way, and so sometimes you just need a little extra boost. Who has it been in your life? Who's been the one that's been there for you? Who's helped you? Who's guided you? Who's directed you toward God? Who's pulled you in that way? I'm going to tell you what, ladies, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me when I say this. You could be that for people all around you. You could be that for people all around you. Absolutely, you can be that. And I want you to know something that the story of Hannah teaches us. The story of Hannah teaches us this, and I want you to hear this. Your connection, it's, here's what it is, it's your connection. Hannah's connection with God was a model for kids. It's a model, and your connection with God. Can you imagine how Paniah felt? She had been ragging this lady and going off on this lady and making fun of this lady, and this lady finally has a son. She has a son, and she's committed to giving the son back. And after a couple of years, she literally takes the son that she had always wanted and gives him over to God. Ladies, your connection with God is a model for your kids. Hannah did something that I call, and I think you can understand this, ugly crying, all right? Ugly, there's, there's whimpering, like the little tear, you know, maybe whenever you're in the movie theater and something, there's a little of that. And then there's crying, that's when you cry, you know, that's when you, you're crying and, you know, you wipe away the tears and, you know, you're tired and, and, and then there's ugly crying. That's when you get the face involved and you're like, oh, and you're all crying and the face gets all contorted and all that kind of stuff. That's what Hannah was doing at the altar. She was ugly crying. She was pouring her heart out. 
She was pouring that burden out. She was pouring that frustration out. And what did she do? She didn't go to her husband who thought he was the greatest and didn't need, she didn't need a kid anyway. She didn't do that. What did she do? She went straight to the source. She went straight to the source that she can trust. She went straight to God. And God, God heard her because there was a connection, a connection there. When you are, hear this ladies, when you are connected with God, when you are connected with God, it tells your family and it tells your children especially that God can be trusted. It tells your family that we don't have to rely on our own efforts. It tells your family that God will provide for us. And it sets the morals and the values and the direction of an entire life that flows from a connection. You know, uh, I'm going to be doing a little work around the house, which is always dangerous, by the way. But I'm going to be doing a little bit of work around the house. Uh, usually whenever they say, this should take you two hours, I allot four. Okay, just for screw-ups and mess-ups. And so, but, but one of the things that I'm going to need is, is I'm going to need a connection. Okay, now a connection is when one thing is with another thing, and usually there's a plug that goes in that connection. Okay, there's a plug that goes in that connection. So between us and God, Jesus is that connection. Okay, Jesus is that connection. But I want you to understand something. You as a mom, you as a mom, you aid in that connection when you show that you're connected with God. When you show, the way you get power from one place to another is through the cables. And the cables, and we're actually going to talk about being divine next week, but the cables, and that's what Jesus says, we have to stay connected with him in order for that to flow. You have to stay connected with that in order for your kids to understand. Because your kids are going to need that later in life. Right now, you may be sitting at home right now with your 5-year-old, 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old, whatever. But later in life, they're going to need that. They're going to need the memories that you instilled in their brains and in their hearts you're going to, they're going to need those memories of when mom and dad trusted God. And they're going to need the memories of when you have a connection, you had a connection with God. And when they get into a situation like maybe you've been in, and they're going to remember back how you handled it. They're going to remember how you handled it. And then they're going to handle it the same way. They're going to connect with God. So not only do, do you not have to be uh, have given birth to someone to be a mom, also your connection with God is a model for your kids. But here's the final thing. Your obedience to God is a model for your kids. Not just your connection, your obedience to God. Because let me tell you something, a lot of times we can read the scripture, we can pray to God, and then we can go out and we cannot be obedient to what God wants us to do. Hannah did, in the story, Hannah did exactly what she said she was going to do. She did exactly what she said she was going to do. She said, if you give me this child... I will give him back to you. And it's interesting because she said he would not cut his hair. That is part of the Nazarite, that, that, that is the Nazarite way of living. It is a holiness to not cut your hair back in their day. He will live in this state of holiness. He will be, I will give him over to you and you, and, and I will not cut his hair and he will not cut, and he will live in this state of holiness. You know, there's, uh, I know there's moms out there today that are probably worried about their children. I'm sure there's moms that are worried about their children. Maybe your kid is rebellious. Maybe your kid is rebellious. Maybe your kid is, uh, is, is 
trying you. Maybe your kids have, have, have been off, you know, trying drugs. Maybe they've fallen away from the faith. I have a message for you today. Maybe you're worried about your children. Maybe your children have grown up now and they're going a different direction that you would have chosen. I want to tell you something about this, okay? God gave you these kids to raise. And the direction they go, sometimes it can be a reflection of their, uh, of their upbringing. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes kids just have it in them to go a different direction. Kids just have it in them to be rebellious. But here's the key. And I want to show you what we can learn from Hannah today. God gave you the kids. I'm encouraging you to give them back to him. I'm encouraging you to give them back to him. I'm encouraging you to give them back to him. I'm encouraging you to do that, to hand them back over. And for you to continue to keep the connection with God and to continue to be obedient. Keep the connection and be obedient. Give them back over to God and let God take care of them. I'm not telling you about something that I haven't been through, you guys. I'm not telling you about something that I haven't experienced. Over and over and over again, whenever we would pray for our daughter, we would pray for our daughter, and she's actually at home probably maybe listening, and I'm proud of you, Bailey, if you're listening, but we would pray for her. And, and, and over and over again, God would tell me this. God would say, hey, don't worry about her. I've got her. Don't worry about her. I've got her. I've got her. I've got her. And it was very comforting to me. I read a story the other day about a pastor, a pastor who was very, very, very rebellious with his, with his family. And he went his own direction. His, his family were godly people, but he went his own way. The pastor went his own way uh, whenever he was a teenager. He turned 18, 19, 20 years old. He started trying things, doing things, getting into trouble, messing up his life. He started going a different direction. And he said, here's what brought him back. And this is an amazing thing. He said one night he was at his lowest, and he said he was thinking about his childhood, and he was thinking about his early teenage years. And he said he remembers laying in the bed, and the walls were so thin that he could hear his mother on her knees praying for him over and over and over and over and over. And here's what brought him back. He said, I knew at that moment, that my mother was still doing that probably right at that moment on her knees beside the same bed praying for me just like she had done since the day I was born. And it brought him back into the faith and he went forward and he changed his life, gave his life over to Christ, became a pastor and now he's literally ministering to thousands and thousands of people. You know, one of the things that, uh, that Hannah did in 1 Samuel 2 is... When she gave over, when she gave him over, Samuel over, she says this in one, verses 1 and 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Remember, she was weak before. She was weak before. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer from my enemies. I rejoice because who rescued her? God rescued her. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. There's no rock. She's putting it back. Here's my connection with God. I'm being obedient to God. And I want you to know that that's the best way to live because no one is like our God. 
No one is like our God. I want to end on this. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we actually had a, uh, we had a great night. It was on a Thursday night. It was the first round of the NFL draft. I don't know if you guys did that, but Blake and I had not watched sports in so long that we were just looking for anything. We, we've been watching like uh, log cutting and cornhole. I didn't know cornhole was a sport, but we've been watching. We watched cornhole yesterday. Cornhole. We were watching, we were watching old basketball games. We, we're, he and I are both sports guys, and so we were looking for anything. And all of a sudden, the NFL draft was going to be on primetime, and we could not wait to watch. And so, honestly, I have to tell you, we made an event out of it. We even bought a dozen donuts, all assorted, and we drafted those donuts. We had a, literally a donut draft between myself and, and Blake's mom and I. We drafted those donuts, okay? And so... We, we, uh, we sat down, we had a, a meal ready to go, and we sat there right in front of that TV, and we watched that draft as a family. Great family thing, huh? Um, yeah, what? Yeah, we had chili. That's right. Wendy just told me we had chili. You can't see Wendy, but she's sitting right here. And uh, she's here for moral support and to correct me uh, or to remind me. Uh, anyway, so happy Mother's Day, sweetie. Anyway, but, uh, but we had chili, and we ha- were sitting there with this draft, and we, I mean, we were all plugged in. And I started noticing something interesting. And there was a really funny video. There was a funny video of this because I I started noticing that beside every kid who was being drafted was a mama. Now, there were several kids whose mother had passed away and they did specials on them. And beside their kid was an aunt or a grandmother. But it was universal. The funny video was of the, of the there was a, a, a girl there who was obviously the girlfriend, and she wanted to be in the shot. I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but if you hadn't seen it, you've got to go to YouTube it. She wanted to be in the shot, and so the guy gets drafted, and he starts celebrating, and the girlfriend starts laying all over him, and the mama <laughs> comes over and whops her and says, get out the way, and like pulls her off of him, and then she jumps down there. But that's what happened. Why is it? Look, mama was right beside Mama was right beside. And a lot of the stories, here's what they told. They told the story of either a single mom or a struggling mom or or a mother and father. Now, there were dads there, too. There was a cool picture of the dad just falling out on the ground. That was awesome. But there were dads there in the thing, too. But a lot of them had the mom there, the mom sitting right beside. And even when there was a dad in the picture, it was always the mom sitting right beside the son. Always. Or it was the aunt sitting beside the son. Or the grandmother. Or the female friend who's helped raise that child. I want to tell you something. Your obedience, your obedience to God is a model to your kids. I want to encourage you today and tell you this. You don't have to have had a child to be a mom to someone. Your connection with God is a model for your kids, and your obedience to God, just like Hannah's, is a model for your kids. I want to encourage you today to be that, to be that model for a child. To be, there's tons of kids out there that need a mom figure. There's tons of them. You may have been one of them growing up. I want to encourage you to look for those things with spiritual eyes. And I know God will show you who it is that you need to be mothering. Lord, I just want to thank you for today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord. Gosh, I'm so thankful for the many moms that I've had in my own life. I'm so thankful for the many moms that I have in my own life. I'm so thankful for the people that poured into me. Uh, I'm so thankful for my own mom. 
who, who literally uh, was, was, has been by my side, my number one fan um, and my number one defender uh, is my own mom. I, I just, I'm thankful for her. Uh, and I'm thankful that I've had other moms that were fans of mine and other moms who were defenders of mine. I'm thankful for people that have poured into my life. My prayer, God, is, is that you would give our moms today and our females and our, our church today and our women, that you would give them spiritual eyes to see that their touch in a kid's life is unmistakable and it's something that is needed every day. Lord, I pray that you would show us, show us and show our moms their value today, to show our ladies in the church their value. And Lord, I do pray that you would let us be connected to you and obedient to you. And Lord, as we do that, and you begin to change lives, I pray that you do that, change lives starting from the inside out. As you do that, we'll be careful to give the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm not sure where you are right now, but why don't you stand up and let's worship. Sing our last worship song.